This is so exciting. It is. Thursday night, we're super late. All the people who listen to our podcast during the weekend, there are 2,000 of them, uh, are just keep asking me, what's going on? Where's the podcast? I have been so busy. You have. But before we get there, let's welcome people to From Our Mouths to God's Ears, the best podcast in the world. That is uh, done by two rabbis on the Parsha with comedy. And uh, yeah, tell us about your week. This was a wild week for you. You are. You usually say like, I'm Cholent Face and I'm here with Rabbi Yisrael Bernath because I don't have a Cholent Face-like name. Uh, I'm here with Rabbi Yisrael Bernath. My name is Cholent Face. Um, and I, yeah, I think, I think we're covered now, right? Okay. You're, you're slacking off on your uh, hosting uh, thing, thingamajigger. Yeah, I haven't hosted a, like a firm prof in a while, so. Now, I had a question because my son Chaim is the greatest water swallower or juice swallower of all time. It's like really loud. So before we were a little bit discussing it, but listen to this. Was that? We couldn't hear a thing. Okay, I'm good at it. I'm, I'm okay. It's uh, something I need to work on with him. I gotta take him to, um, like you know, people work. I really is it a like speech therapist, or is there? I like good sound effects. You know, sometimes you hear something, you're like, "Wow, that was an amazing sound effect." Yes. So if I'm uh, like, if I need someone to swallow juice or water, uh, if you do, if anyone in Hollywood is watching this and needs someone to swallow water as part of a sound effect. My son is perfect, perfect. He swallows water like, yeah. All right, so tell us about your week. What a week it was. First, should we talk about tonight and then go kind of backwards? We are really pumped. We just came from an incredible meeting. It yeah, was we... the Chabad NDG raffle launch meeting that was done on Zoom and uh, hosted by uh, Chayla, your wife, which was really amazing. And it was a real pump up. We were all excited. There was a lot of uh, great high energy feel on that call. If anyone watching right now or listening in the future wants to uh, buy tickets, buy them from me. I called it now. I called it now. $50 a ticket. Put it under Tzvi's name. Just reach out. Reach out. Find Shalom Face anywhere. That's 12 tickets. Done. Guaranteed. It goes to a great cause. It does. It goes to a great you can also go to ndgraffle.com. That's ndgraffle.com. It's that simple. And actually, you know what it does? It supports this podcast and all the other wonderful things that happen at Chabad NDG. That's true. Okay. So, so tell us more about tonight's thing. So uh, this week, so earlier this week, I was in New York. So do you know the border, the Canadian-New York border is closed? Yes. To travel? I've heard, yes. Till July 31st. I did not hear that, but th that's the land border or the air border? Both. Okay, so I can't fly to New York? There are no, no. flights going to New York? No, there's no direct flight to New York from here. Okay. Um, the border's closed. So to get to New York, I have to like fly to Mexico City and then back to New York? No, the border's closed. For everyone? For everyone. Unless you're bringing in commercial stuff, probably. Unless you're an essential service. Okay, so if I need to, like, like, if I need to go to New York, I could kind of load up a bunch of cream cheese in the back of my van and take all my kids and yeah, we're delivering cream cheese. That's expensive. Why would I go with cream cheese? Under the cream cheese. Sm smuggle them in. <laughs> they got smuggled under cream cheese. That would be quite a It wasn't story. even refrigerated by the time we arrived. It sounds like a Shavuos kids book. It does. <laughs> COVID, the border, and cream cheese. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So why, now, now, why the heck would you cross a border into the, how did you do it? How did you get back? I need to know the details because let me share a little bit of background. I don't know how much I could share. But basically, and, uh, there, um, there's a woman who joined our Chabad house. Maybe you'll share more details from your Medium story. Was uh, you, The article was fantastic. Um, yeah, and really, can, huh? People can read that Medium article. I think I described it quite well there. Yeah, you really described it well. Like, she came from, like, uh, I think she was in, like, a building in St. Henri, 
She uh, was in a punk commune. And uh, yeah, she, when, I, when I first met her, she was living in a garage with a mattress on the floor. And that and was- two giant dogs, right? And two, and two giant dogs, that was it. Yeah. Uh, so how did you meet her? Um, how did you find out about Chabad? Well, she, she, she was interested in Judaism, so she came to us. Okay. And uh, she, start, she became a regular, uh, uh, like, and she, like intense regular. I think she became synonymous with Chabad MDG. I mean, seriously, like she became one with the organization. She knows more halacha than I do. Like she would tell me off on a regular basis. Yeah. She learned very, very quickly and was really amazing. She went to Israel for how long? Was it a couple of weeks? She went to Israel for a few weeks, but uh, yeah, I mean, she has no formal education but uh, was able to pick up- No formal Jewish education or no formal education? At all. And was able to pick up a lot of stuff very, very quickly. Yeah, she's a very spiritual uh, person, but also very practical. And she wanted nothing more. So fast forward uh, two and a half years, she- That was longer uh, than that. It was not just two, two and a half years. In the beginning of 2018. Wow, when did she move uh, to the, uh, you know, the apartment upstairs at Chabad? A year ago. Wow, that's incredible. I know. She's been so She's like an essential part of Chabad. She like runs half, like she runs Chabad. Well, not now, but she did yeah. now. All right, so let's move on. So then. There's a ton of typos in this week's email, you'll know why. <laughs> yeah, go on. Um, and so she meets this, uh, this, this guy uh, from she? New York. No, he's not just a guy. How did she meet him? He's a Hasidish guy. He's a Hasidish guy. Yeah. He's, um, a, he's a Hasid. Unofficially through me. You know, I knew somebody who knew somebody. She really- Well, you are the love rabbi. If there's anyone who could get this done. She wanted to marry into an, a Jewish family. Like she is an only child. Uh, she wanted to have a big family. So I'm like, if you want a big family, you better get a Hasidic family. Because those Hasidic families, they're big. <laughs> there, was a, there was a random guy at the wedding. And he's like, um, yeah, he came actually because her friends from seminary, from, she went to Mayanot in Israel. So her friend came and her father drove her. So her father's standing there. He's like, I think I'm related to the groom. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. If you want to have a big family, the best way to do it is to marry into a Hasidic family. And you will have enough family that you won't be able to keep track of your cousins. <laughs> That's, I, now, you, now, 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 what about him? It's, uh, you know, a Hasidic guy... Uh, What's, what, what's his uh, story? Um, he, he fell for her. I mean, he wanted somebody who was intellectual, somebody who, you know, wasn't just vain, who had a head on their shoulders. And uh, no, she he definitely is that. She, uh, yeah, so he, he fell for her in a good way. And, uh, and then um, he would occasionally visit, right? And we, I, we, Quite often. Yeah, and, and he became part of the community too, Shimshi. Yeah. What, a, what a good guy, I love him. And uh, we were trying to convince him to move here, right? Once they got engaged. Yeah, he really, and, and who knows? Like, you know, the, the story is not over, right? I mean, the, the story is just beginning in a lot of ways. So maybe they will move here eventually. So they, get on, they got engaged. They got engaged like just before this whole thing started, right? They got engaged Purim, which was literally like the day before the big, like where everybody went to quarantine. And, and then we had a couple of months later, they, no, uh, well, no. this week, three months. People held off their weddings. I mean, I, I had quite a number of weddings that have been postponed. Right. In our community, someone. Yeah, absolutely. They did not want to postpone their wedding. And I, and I, I think rightfully so. So it seemed he wasn't able to come to Canada. So she figured out a way to get to New York. She's very resourceful. So she just figured out a way to get to New York, even though the border's closed. I don't know how. You'd have to ask her. And they're going to live in Muncie. Yeah. And so they decided to do a little wedding. There was about 30 people there, maybe 30, 40 people there. You weren't supposed to go. Uh, no. Uh, how right. are we going to go? The border's closed. All right. So this is where I need to know. Because I had, I, up to like two days before, there was no one going, you were going to coordinate the Zoom together with uh, someone over there on the New York side. I don't know. And we were all excited. The next thing I know, I kind of like spaced out. Uh, this was Sunday you left, right? or something yeah. like that. Saturday night, I had a busy night, I missed out all. The next thing I know, it's like Sunday afternoon, and it's like, oh, Robert Renath is at the wedding, he's gonna, he's gonna Zoom with us. 
Rabbi and Rebetzin Bernath. Okay, so share this story because it's wild. And, and it, it's amazing, really impressive. So we were not supposed to go to the wedding. Nobody, nobody from her side. And it was just irking me. The actual truth is Thursday night, I, I don't dream, okay? And I'm not one of those kind of dreamer types that has like these existential things. So don't get me, I, I barely, maybe I've dreamed like a handful of times that I remember. He's, he's too busy uh, playing with his golems. Exactly. So I had this dream Thursday night that I went to New York with Eric Klein. Yeah. So I call up Eric on Friday morning and I'm like- Wait, you mean like a dream while sleeping? Yes, a dream while sleeping. And it was so vivid. Like the two of us got in the car on Sunday morning, we crossed the border. Like it was like this thing. And I called him up and I'm like, I had this dream. And then I, I kind of like, I shared it with Yoshin Khani and then it started this conversation anyway. As Shabbat came in, we still were not going. Saturday morning, Hani comes to our house and she's like, Yosh and I decided we're going to take care of your kids and you're going to go. That's incredible. Just, 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 just to make note of this, you didn't even know if you'd be allowed back into Canada. So you would or, come. Or allowed to go at all. Okay, allowed to go. You guys are US citizens. I had been on the phone all day Friday with the, the two borders. I went back and forth. I was waiting on hold. So the US border basically said, you're US citizens you're allowed in. Right. But coming back, they said it's basically in the hands of whatever border agent you have. Is that why you left your kids behind? Like, you know, my kids are there, like worst case scenario. Exactly. Well, I don't know. This it is was why a- we have kids. I don't have a comment for that. Well, that and also because every two years they could uh, turn off the Shabbos lights. That's why we have yeah, them. No, that's why years. you have kids up until three years old, for sure. Yeah, exactly. After three years old, they're worthless. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So, well, no, they're not worthless. I mean, you could cross borders and leave them behind with, you know, other irresponsible adults who have six kids of their own. (laughs) So (laughs) we figured what's the worst that can happen? We'll get turned away. We get in the car, six o'clock Sunday morning, we get to the border and actually the U S border, as we predicted was pretty simple. They were like, uh, where are you going Uh, to a wedding? New Jersey, when are you coming back? Today, okay. No, no problem. That was nothing. No biggie. Go to the wedding. Talk about the wedding in a second. On the way back, so this is when we were really scared. Now, now you also knew that coming back, going for a wedding, coming back, you're going to have to quarantine. You are not allowed to leave your house for 14 days. And here in Canada, the RCMP is actually checking up on people and you you will get a $10,000 fine, right? $20,000 $20,000 fine. They call me every single morning. Every morning I get a phone call. This is the government of Canada. Um, and they ask me like a couple of questions. Where are you right now? Who's with you? Has anyone, have you seen anyone? What are you doing for fresh air? They have like this whole list of questions every single day. And they did say they're going to spot check us. Like they're going to call us when they're outside and we have to come to the window and show our ID. Wow. Wow. Yeah, They're taking it really seriously. So yeah. yeah. Coming back to Canada. You, we, did this, you did this for a congregant. Like you, you didn't even do this. This isn't a relative. This is just someone in the community. This is incredible. But she wanted us to walk down the You already did 14 days. You know how hard it is. You've already done that quarantine back when you got it. I'm going crazy. Huh? I don't know, I, I'm at day five now from Sunday, and I'm going crazy already. It's crazy. It's incredible. Incredible. Now go on. She wanted us to walk her down. What are you going to, you know... What the, the little price you can pay is 14 days. What's the, what's the big deal? Look, we're able to have this nice Zoom chat right now. Not the same, but yeah. So we get to the border. It's 11 o'clock on Sunday night after the wedding. Because we literally went for like, we literally went there two and a half hours and came back. That was it. So the guy at the border was stoic. It's like. Canadian? We, Canadian border. Where do you live? Montreal. How long have you been gone? 12 hours. He gives me this look. He's like, you understand that you're going to have to quarantine for 14 days. I'm like, yeah. It's like, must have been important. I'm like, I guess so. 
<laughs> that was it. He gave us all the rules and regulations and took our address and our phone number where we're going to quarantine and let us go. But that's incredible. Now talk about the wedding because what a wedding it was. What a wedding. I don't know if I can do justice um, to describing it. I think I did, a, like I wrote that Medium article and I think uh, if you want to put it in the show notes, that would really describe the wedding. It was amazing. It was there was a certain magical energy in the air that I can't describe. It's just like the social distancing and the COVID and the, the two people wanting to get married and like the whole scene, it was in this New Jersey industrial district. So it was like in this parking lot of a warehouse. Wasn't it in their actual, like his office? It was in his works. Yes. Okay. And you got stuck, like you were on your way there, but there was a train in the way. Right when we got there, we actually got there on time. But then there was the world's longest freight train that got stuck <laughs> in between Someone us put a penny on the tracks. Literally. And it, it, it got stuck between us and the hall. And we weren't the only one. There's about 20 people who were supposed to go to the wedding who were stuck with us. Were the bride and groom stuck with you? No, the bride and groom were there. And so we had to take like this 45-minute detour. Driving or walking? driving to be able to figure out a way around. We basically went around the whole train. Meanwhile, all of us were on Zoom. There were maybe 30 of us uh, from Montreal and a couple of other places um, who were excited to see the wedding. And it's Sunday afternoon for me. I, I, we had, you know, our kids were there. We were all, some of us got dressed up. It was very nice. But, uh, and, and we're wondering why isn't this Zoom starting? Why is it just us? Right. So anyway, you arrived. I had no idea what was going on. And I was surprising her. You know, she had no idea we were coming. I mean, the shriek, the excitement when she saw us, wow. Because she, I would think that she imagined, like, she probably dreamed, okay, Rabbi Bernat might come. But to have you and Sarah show up? I had no idea Sarah was coming. Yeah. yeah. She had no idea Sarah was coming. That's amazing. Really amazing. It's, it's amazing because you were on the other side of the Mechitza. In other words, she had someone to really celebrate with, someone yeah. from Montreal. Yeah. Someone and to also, walk her down the aisle. Together we were able to walk her down, which uh, also was very special for her, you know, instead of having some random person walk her. Yeah, it was really special to, to watch also. Yeah, it was just like really emotional. I'm still just thinking about it. I'm tearing up a little bit. What was it like being at a chuppah that you did not run? Like, it was the first time I've ever seen you do no chuppah selfie. You know, I, I don't think I could have. When I got there, the rabbi who was doing the wedding said to me, you should do it. I mean, it's crazy. You're here already. You should just do, do the ceremony. And I'm like, I'm still seeing lines on the road. Like, I'm just not in a state. I'm just too, like, I'm not in a state. I didn't prepare anything. I didn't, I probably could have pulled it off, but I wanted it to be special. He did a great job, the rabbi who did it. Yeah, I was happy that you know, I said I came to walk her down. I didn't came to marry her. I think that he did a very he had a very difficult job because he was talking to two crazily different audiences. He was talking to and right in front of his face are a bunch of like like Hasidim from like you know uh, Williamsburg and and Curious Yoel and New Square and on Zoom are people who are completely not religious. So he had to like balance that out. So he gave deep, meaningful Dvar Torahs, like deep, intense stuff while translating them. I've never seen that done before. It was the strangest thing. And it, could you imagine if the two worlds were together at the same wedding? That would have been insane. That like if they were actually physically at the same wedding. That would have been wild. Yeah. Well, we'll probably, we'll probably uh, find out, uh, you know, um, like uh, if they come back up once the border opens, you think we'll make a little celebration for them? I hope so. I hope that we'll be able to celebrate with them. I mean, I think that they, they didn't get the full celebration because we weren't able to be there with them. So, you know, well, we were there, but saying that the rest of the community who really wanted to be there with them wasn't able to be there. So I think that would be really, really nice if we could do some kind of celebration. Okay, now tell, now tell us about the dancing. Things are gonna get controversial. What do you mean? I heard the social distancing went out the window from what I heard. You know, I sit down at my table, which is all Hasidic men with you know big first dry moles, and they're you know they're we're all they're all talking in Yiddish. And what are they talking about? How was your COVID? How was your COVID? 
How was your corona? Oh, I had it a little worse. Oh, you know, me, I had tingling in my fingers. Oh, me, I had, uh, you know, I was schwitzing a lot. I mean, this is what they're talking about. I was in a coma for five year, weeks, you know. Every single- You could answer that too. Yeah, me too. Every person who was there had COVID. So at some point, I turned to the guy and I said, have you ever heard of Hotel Corona? Do you guys ever hear of Hotel Corona? What's Hotel Corona? Hotel Corona needs to be a movie. Okay. Basically, what Israel- Oh, in Israel. Yes, I've heard of it. Share this. Everyone who tested positive in the beginning for Corona, they put them in these hotels. So everyone who tested positive in order to isolate the COVID virus in the beginning, and this is how Israel became the number one country to be able to deal with it, is because they literally put everybody in, in, uh, in the hotel. Anyway, there's a podcast that NPR did or BBC did called Hotel Corona, where they interview this guy, and he, he was the concierge whose job was to like deal with all the stuff. You're talking about they had Israelis, Palestinians, um, Hasidic people, secular people, and he had to make roommates for everybody, and he had to like deal. Can you imagine? This is during Passover. Yeah, that's so wild. Describing the scene. I mean, if you haven't heard this Total Corona uh, podcast, you have to hear it because it's crazy that the scene he's describing, dealing with like all the fighting. At the end, it's very beautiful. They all become friends, and they're doing uh, uh, Israeli-Palestinian comedy in the in the. In the in the lounges at night, and they're they're doing these. You know, people are getting to know each other, and he was like talking about how it was really promoting peace in in, in Israel, which is really beautiful. It was also very surreal. Uh, but this is how I know it is because it was during Pesach. This is a month of uh, of uh, you know quarantine, and these videos were coming out from that hotel of people dancing and you know preparing for this massive seder, and it was just so surreal. It's quite amazing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I was thinking of this Hotel Corona. I'm like, we, right now, we are in Hotel Corona. There's nobody here at this wedding who didn't have Corona. Well, uh, the bride, right? The bride had it also. Oh, wow. Yeah. When did she get it? She got it the same time I got it. Wow. We actually, she, she was with me and someone else. We went to visit someone at the hospital, and that's how we got it. Wow. That person who gave us a ride to the hospital to visit this other person had it and, and gave it to us. That's incredible. Yeah, so- So, so it really was, yeah, so what they do? So they so just like- At some point we were like, we're all immune. Let's just forget about it. And we just did regular, and all of a sudden it just like transformed into this regular dancing and regular celebration, like a real wedding. And it was so lively. I don't know if you could see it on the, the the screen when you, if you're watching the zoom but it was so lively and so exciting and this this groom i mean there's grooms this groom did not stop dancing he, we could not get him to sit the whole night this guy was on his feet he was going through every single person making sure he danced individually with every person i mean what what a guy what a wedding wow yeah that's that's awesome what an experience what an experience yeah so what was the rest of your week like Oh, just uh, had to deal with an episode of somebody who tried to commit suicide, um, had to arrange for an apartment, uh, a, a, a condo that somebody was going to lose because they didn't pay $640. So we had to get money to them. A uh, bunch of couples that were in turmoil. Do you want me to continue? You are very busy. Every night I, I was like harassing you. Come on, we got we to do the podcast. And every night... Literally, uh, what was it, last night, uh, um, we were in the middle of, uh, we're like, okay, we're going to do it and give me 10 minutes to see. And then all of a sudden you write to me, okay, a couple just showed up. I cannot. <laughs> exactly. Somebody, literally, I was sitting out on my balcony and they're like, can we come? Like, well, social distance, we need to speak to you. Wow. Wow. Incredible. Like, that's, that's the way it's been. And, you know, while everyone's saying they're bored and they have nothing to do, I have not felt that at all. I could say... Honestly, I'm busier than I usually am. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. By the way, you know how um, uh, I tagged you? Someone on Twitter posted uh, our old Young Abraham video. Yes, you I know why? why did they post it now? Because people are tearing down statues in the U.S. Oh, so, so why don't you give the background on that? That was really interesting. I, I, I was very surprised that they, that they put that on Twitter. So give us the right. background. Well, the background of us and Young Abraham? 
Yeah, so we had worked on this uh, animation. <laughs> my, my, my version might be a little different than yours. Here's my version. <laughs> we were like newly married guys living in Montreal, and, um, and you approached me somewhat. I don't know how you, you got involved. Oh, Chaim Sheriff got you involved, right? Yeah, he called me, and then I had gone to this meeting with this animation studio, and they wanted to make a, an authentic animation of the story of Abraham. Yeah, using uh, Exactly. And they anyone to write it. And there was like all this money behind it and they had this whole plan. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, Svi, you want to write an animation? <laughs> you had already convinced them. Basically, you called me up and you were like, all right, listen, I have news for you. We are <laughs> writing the screenplay. And at that point, I, none, neither of us had really trained to be screenwriters. Not at all. And you had also, I don't know, like you told them, all right, we're going to have a first draft to you guys, like within a couple of weeks. And they were like, wow. So I ran to the library. <laughs> I remember you came back with all these books and we were like making notes and uh, you gave me some of the books and we were like just making notes. Yeah, yeah. That's a, we, like, we wrote the whole thing in like one four hour session, I think. Yeah, we wrote, we, no, it was uh, two or three of them. But we wrote okay. with it, the, by the end of week one, we had a file for every single character and we had a file for the story in chronological order. It was a story of Abraham from the Medrash. I, the, the idea was um, to tell the backstory of Abraham when, as a young child, to sell it to the evangelical Christians, right? They, like, they wanted, because the money that would cost to create it wasn't enough to just sell it to the Jewish market. They wanted to kind of tap into the evangelical market. So we had, remember we had this evangelical Christian director who was making us crazy. Do you remember that? Well, he didn't make us crazy until, until we went in. Basically, two week, we delivered a first draft two weeks in. And that first draft was like, we had written it. We spent one week researching and one week writing. I think they were just shocked. They didn't know what to do with us. Yeah, we, and like, we were barely getting paid too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we got nothing. What was it, like $1,000 total or something like that? We didn't know what money was in those days. Yeah, we were newly married. So, we, but we were really gung-ho about it. Let's say we were newly married and 22 years old, so. Yeah, so, um, and, they, and then, uh, so we handed it in and we thought things would move at such a fast pace, remember? We went mm -hmm. to visit the studio where they, they had- us, uh, They were showing us, they were making, um, that studio made monster trucks, like this uh, kid's animation, called, which was, I guess, very popular. So yeah. they, were, they were showing us all the images that they were making for monster trucks. The it entire CGI world. Video. It was amazing. All these animators and it was unbelievable to see. There were like 30 animators in the room together all working on different items. Yeah. It was like a whole world they were building, a virtual world. It was very cool. And, and, then, um, and then there was radio silence for like two months. Oh no, we heard back like uh, uh, they had a lot of questions clearly. Like looking back, after I... After I studied screenwriting uh, in Concordia, I, I looked back at it and I could see why, where their questions were coming from. Uh, there, were, there wasn't that much structure. We just based it off the actual story. I mean, we wrote the Medrash as it happened, you know, uh, with adding a lot of creativity and creating some amazing characters. Like By the way, Dutch. they did not change any of Yeah, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. So a couple of months go by and they tell us, uh, so, so we're waiting for changes and I think we bug them a couple of times. And then all of a sudden, we find out that they have, they've hired a Hollywood writer, right? And we're down as like the researchers or something like that. No, no. So then, remember, they, they, they meet with us in this restaurant, and he basically brings our script pieced apart. Exactly. To the restaurant. Like, get your own script, dude. <laughs> yeah. And the entire thing is still based off of our script. I mean, there's our lines. Like, basically tweaked it a little bit. That's all. We could have done the same thing. Yeah, well, he didn't just tweak it a little bit. He put structure in and uh, he added certain remember, elements. Remember he did some stuff like he get that in the beginning, there was this Rebbe and we're like, no, no, don't do that. It's cheesy. It's cheesy. He put that right back in. Uh-huh. Yes. So um, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was what, like he added the whole snakes thing. Uh, he added some stuff to make it creative, I guess. But some of it was cringy, but some of it was very good. Anyway, Young Abraham, we both have IMDb credits for it as writers because uh, yes. they did recognize us, not on the film, but later they recognized they probably, us. They, 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 well, they, they really, the truth is that even though in the film they wrote researchers, if you look at the, our original script and you look at that, at the final product, it's really, really similar. First of all, 
all of the characters. They did not even change the names. We made up names. We didn't just make up names. Utz, the entire okay, character yeah. of a, he was a great character that we created. Same thing for Pichech, that because Pichich. we were no longer involved, they messed up her name. They I called know. her Pichich, the Pichich. entire. Pichich. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. I, they also, there, there were, we had like small items that if we were still involved, would have stayed in that I felt was a loss, kind of like like little minor things, like like Abraham when he gets older, walking carrying a Sefer Yitzira, right? I know exactly. that was just a small that. thing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what a bummer. So yeah, so it just randomly appeared on Twitter this week. Yeah, so I, I tagged you very much about it. Every you know, it's funny. Right after it appeared on Twitter, I started getting a bunch of messages from people if I still had any DVDs. From before, of young Abraham. Yeah, I mean, I had you know, I because I, I, right now they're toppling down statues. Yeah, it's amazing, huh? Yeah, they, you know what? And I, I, I think that's that's a great. I think in Montreal over here we should. Uh, someone uh, years ago wrote an article, but Isabella, Isabella is named after Queen Isabella. The street they have a statue downtown, and they have a stone monument right here in Clanranald Park, right in the middle of the Jewish community. A street named after the Queen who, who brought about the expulsion of Spanish Jews. Millions of, of Jews were killed. Moranos were killed. And it has to be that the Montreal Jewish community today is very Sephardic, which are all descendants from those people. Not all, but yeah, many of them, presumably. Yeah. yeah well, the Moroccan Jews all were originally Spanish. Not they all. Are. No, no, not all, but many of them were. But, um, but yeah, so, so uh, that's something I hope that I, I would love to see them change it. Change, change the name of the street to Abraham de Sola, right? Something yeah. like that, you know? That would be amazing. Yeah, because <laughs> his ancestor fled as a Murano. In NDG, we have, uh, we have Beaconsfield. Beaconsfield meaning what? You don't know who Beaconsfield is? No idea. Look it up right now. Just Look tell up. me. This is, this, is, Beaconsfield. this is taking up so much valuable time. All right, Sir Beaconsfield. Sir Beaconsfield. All right, who is, what, what was he? Ooh, Benjamin Disraeli? Yep. Wow, I did not know that. Yep. That's wild. That Sir, is really cool. It's Benjamin Disraeli. All right, okay, next thing you're gonna tell me is that Hingston is the other name of Benjamin Netanyahu. Oh, come on, you stole my thunder right there. <laughs> Shall we talk about this week's Parsha? Because, uh, wow. I think that was a very long intro into this week's Torah portion. Oh, yeah. Longest intro ever. There's, a, there's quite a few interesting parts of the Torah portion. Um, we have the inverted nuns. Yes. Yeah, that's where, uh, um, what we say, Vayibin saw her own, Vayomra right? When they lifted up the, uh, the ark, um, uh, Moshe would say, uh, raise up Pasha, you know? So the, there's a question, what are these... Um, inverted nuns. I was just going to talk about it, but I was going to talk about it longer, but time is running out. So uh, I was just going to make the point that you find a, a lot of, um, you find many ancient uh, scrolls that are from the Hellenistic times, uh, the Greek, many old Greek scrolls they have. So it's called a reverse sigma. And that right. basically looks like a nun, which basically meant that this is in the wrong place. And it's neat because the Gemara, the Gemara has an argument. The Talmud discusses what are these What's the deal with these, this, this section? Where, why, do, why, why do these nuns exist? Uh, these backwards or upside down nuns. And uh, one of the answers is that there are two answers. One answer is that it's just in the wrong area and we don't know where it actually belongs, this whole thing of what Moshe would say. Uh, and when Mashiach comes, it'll be put in its proper place. And another one, which is Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, uh, Rebbe, the, the author of the Mishnah, he says that um, there, there's actually seven books of the Torah we are in book four. This, these, these two psukim, the, the verse that you say when we lift up the Torah, basically, and another small verse uh, is, is a book of its own. It's book five. Then book six is the second half of Bamidbar, of Numbers, and Dvarim, Deuteronomy, is the seventh book, which is just interesting. Fascinating. Yes. And finally, the, I figured it would uh, make sense to discuss the end of the Parsha the end of the Torah portion, which is about uh, Miriam. And it has to do with, uh, with um, current events, which is why I bring it up. So do I have the book here? I should, uh, 
I should read it. Do you have a Chumash near you? Um, I have a couple books near me, if you look behind me. Hi. <laughs> You've got, like, your whole house is a library. You're, I bet your, your, like, house, like, you know how, like, shoals usually are just donor plaques? Like, they're built on donor plaques? Your house is built on books. This is just not even a third of my library. Um, hold on. I'm, I actually went online. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. No, it's not. You have, like, a whole library in Chabad house which uh, there's that, there's this room. Then I'm sure you've got more uh, in boxes around your house. I was your roommate in yeshiva. You had so much books. All right, let's go to uh, numbers and where do we find it? Oh boy, let's see if I could go by Parsha. Okay. Ah, Parsha, yes. So I'm gonna go to Baaloscha, there you go. Okay, ready? I'm gonna read this off. One second, I, I hope I chose the right one. Yeah, so Miriam and, I, okay, listen to this story uh, and you're gonna have some questions, all right? I'm sure of it. You ready? Go for it. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman, the Cushy woman he had married. Eh? He married a Cushite woman, they said. Has the Lord spoken only through Moshe? Has he not spoken through us as well? Hashem heard. Now Moshe was a very humble man, more so than any other man on earth. Suddenly Hashem called to Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tent of meeting, to the Ol Moed. So the three of them went out. Hashem came down in a pillar of clouds, stopped at the entrance of the tent. That sound more like the voice of God. Huh? You gotta be like uh, James Earl Jones, like the voice of God. I'll try, I'll try. I'm not, I'm not good with impressions. Hashem came down in a pillar of clouds, stopped at the entrance of the tent, and called out, Aaron and Miriam. How was that? That was pretty good. No, that wasn't good. I know, I'm, I'm terrible with impressions. I the voice. Yeah, see, you're good with voices. The two of them came forward, and God said, Hear these my words. When a prophet of the Lord arises among you, I make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moshe. He is trusted throughout my household. When I speak mouth to mouth plainly and not in riddles. Oh, sorry. With him I speak mouth to mouth plainly and not in riddles. And he beholds the likeness of the Lord. How then did you not shrink from speaking against my servant Moshe? Basically, God blasted them for Whoa. speaking against Moshe. Mouth to mouth, I speak not in riddles. Still incensed with them, the Lord departed, Hashem departed. As the cloud withdrew from the tent, there was Miriam stricken with snow-white scales. That's how it translates here, with Sarat. When Aaron turned to Miriam, he saw that she was stricken with Sarat. Uh, and Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, account not to us the sin which we have committed in our folly. Oh, I love biblical speak. Let her not be as one dead who emerges from his mother's womb with half his flesh eaten away. So, Moses, so Moshe cried out to the Lord, saying, Oh God, pray heal her. But, the, but God said to Moshe, If her father spat in her face, would she not bear her shame for seven days? Let her be shut out of camp for seven days, and then let her be readmitted. So Quarantine. Yes. So Miriam was shut out of camp seven days. The people did not march on until Miriam was readmitted. And then the last verse is the people set out for Chaseros and encamped in the wilderness. of held up two million people. She did. She held them all up. But that, that was out of respect for her. They, 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 uh, they um, uh, you know, they stopped. You know, she oh, was very well loved. Making a difference. Wow. Yeah. Actually, it's brought in a commentary. I wasn't going to mention this, but she, she waited for Moshe. She hid in the rushes, right? Waiting for Moshe. And, uh, um, you know, the nation now waits for her. Mm. So it's kind of like a full circle. Yeah. But I wanted to talk about the opening. Let me go over the opening again. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moshe because of the Cushy woman he had married. He married a Cushy woman. He did. Zipporah was a Cushite. So, no, she wasn't. She was a Midianite. Right. Now, what's a Cushite? What's a Cushy? Uh, uh, um, uh, African American. An no, well, there wasn't Americans. <laughs> an African, uh, uh, an Ethiopian, an African, a black an woman. Yes. So, we can say black wives matter. Are we allowed to say, oh, oh, oh that was good, black it's actually, yeah, A-Y, A-Y, uh, 
a a Mumer on Twitter came up with that. It's a pretty good one. But uh, can we say black? Is that is, is that is that an okay thing? Like, is it I, I've got a story related to that. When I was in uh, Stavropol, Russia, as a rabbi, so the, I was there the day Barack Obama got elected, and um, it was the day Zami was born. Really? That's incredible. So I was driving back from uh, like they have one big store, kind of like a Walmart. It was called Metro. Metro. I was driving back from Metro with uh, this Jewish taxi driver who was an amazing guy, still friends with him on, on Facebook. We chat all the time, uh, named Alek Bogopolsky. And Alek uh, turns to me as we're driving and he says, so it's me, what do you think of the fact that America elected, uh, and he says the N-word. <laughs> and I'm okay. like, and yeah, I'm taken aback and I'm offended also, you know? So I tell him off, I say, uh, Alek, you cannot, you know, like, uh, I did not think you were a racist. I said, my Russian was not strong, but I, I, you know, I got that message across. You, like, you know, there's no difference between a black person and us. You can't, you cannot call them that. I, in, my, in my face, don't ever call them that again. From now on, call them black. I said, like the Russian word for black. And he looks at me and he goes quiet. And the whole rest of the ride is like, you know, silence. There's like this tension in the air. We arrive at my apartment and as I'm getting out, he says, Rabbi, I think you should know you're, you're here in Russia and I just want you to know that there's a, you have to have a sensitivity. You have people in your community who look up to you. You, you can't be a racist. You can't talk like that. I'm like, what? You can't talk like that. You know? Anyway, we, we continued chatting and it turns out that in Russia, it's the exact opposite. The no polite way. way to refer to a black person is the N-word. That's, that, that's how they see it. And, uh, the, and to, call, to call them black, the, the word uh, starts with a ch, uh, to call them that is extremely, extremely offensive. Wow. I had to Google it myself online after. I thought, oh, so I thought, look at that lost in translation. Yeah. So it's interesting that you asked that now, but uh, no, I think black is okay, right? Uh, my, my father used to work with Junior, a, fr a friend who uh, told me, call me black. Great guy. What a, what, a, what, a good, what a good guy. Don't call me late for dinner. Yeah, he used to tell me that uh, uh, I was a little kid. I was like, uh, what, seven years old or, you know, like a yeshiva boy. I was like, why are you black? And he used to tell me, because I, I like drinking chocolate milk. Mm -hmm. It was great. <laughs> so, yeah, I love the babes. Yeah. So, but, what's the story with Miriam? Well, the story is clearly she, yeah, so there is this, there's two parts. Part one is it brings up this cushy woman who Moshe was married to, right? Uh, it, it mentions that. He married a cushy woman, right? Miriam said something about that. And then we move on to the next part about them, black, them what, they, what they said about Moshe himself, about him, uh, you know, you think you're better than us with the prophecy. Uh, you know, we also became prophets. And then Hashem getting all angry. So the commentators, like, they, they're just a little, what's going on here, right? Who is this cushy woman, first of all? Why does this come into play, right? So there are a couple of opinions uh, who the cushy woman is. So one of them is a pretty wild medrash. You know how Moshe, the first, um, the first I think it was, his, his, he lived till 120. For the first 40 years of his life, he was a prince of Egypt. And then he, he fled after killing the Egyptian. He, yeah. he left it, he fled, yeah. But actually, I, th I, think it's uh, no, um, I think it's before he arrived in Midian, possibly, or after, I forget. But there's a Midrash that says that he fled to Ethiopia, spent 40 years in Ethiopia. When he first arrived in Ethiopia, he was a royal- How many years did this guy have to his life? Yeah, he only started at, 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 at 80. He started leading the Jewish people. Uh, Israelite wow. nation. I guess you're right. Yeah, that's right. There's yeah. 40 years that the Torah doesn't talk about, but that's over right. there, so the Midrash tells us that this prince of Egypt arrives in Ethiopia. I think right? you got young Moses. Young Moses. <laughs> Middle-aged Moses. Middle-aged Moses. And he arrives in, in Ethiopia and um, he becomes an advisor to the king because, you know, he's got that status. The king dies and the country dis decides for some reason to have Moses become the king. So what Moses, a story this guy has. Yeah, Moses rules Ethiopia. He, they, stutter, he can't speak. What an inspiration. Right, true. This shows anybody can do it. Yeah. And he's in Ethiopia and uh, they, they give the king's widow 
to Moshe to, to marry, um, but he, refu- he marries her, but he never consummates the marriage. Where, where is this Midrash? I've never heard it. I, I, so I looked it up. I forget, I, I forget exactly where, I, you, but you could look it up. You could Google it. You'll find it. It might be Midrash Tanchoma. I'm not sure exactly I which love one. That you can Google Midrash now. I know. <laughs> what has come to this world? You can Google Midrash. And uh, anyway, so according to one opinion, it's that, it's that wife. If you follow that Midrash, then it's, that, is, that is Moshe's, uh, who it's referring to, the Kushi woman. According wow. to, huh? That's amazing. According to another, um, uh, according to other opinions, it's, um, it's not that medrash. It's, uh, sorry, it's, uh, it, was, it was actually Tsipora, his wife. Why is she called a kushi? Actually, Rashi brings it down. That his wife was called a kushi because she was extraordinarily beautiful. Extraordinarily, wow. yeah, unique and beautiful. Um, so there are different opinions over, over um, who this kushi woman was. But now the next question is this cushy woman, right? It stops there. She says something about the cushy woman and then the Torah just continues with her complaint about Moshe, not about the cushy woman. So what's going on? Was it a racist uh, statement that she made? She's fighting dirty. She's bringing up his past. Right, right. And there's, uh, so, so there's, uh, that, that, you, you kind of nailed it a bit. Um, and, and the fact that she's bringing up his past. I mean, that's, that's fighting dirty. One of the things that we talk about in marriage counseling, which unfortunately I have a little bit too much experience with right now, um, is that you don't fight dirty. You don't bring up people's pasts. You don't say things to your spouse like you always do this. You stay on point. She's literally fighting dirty. She's going off point, bringing up his past, doing exactly what you're not supposed to be doing. But, she, she, but we know Miriam was, was kind of a great person, right? Right. So how do you explain that? Right. And, and, and there are some people who look, who look at it and could say, hey, Miriam was making a racist statement. The Torah clearly states that it was an Ethiopian. If you translate it straight up, Kushi means an, an Ethiopian, uh, an African. Is she a racist? And, and, and look, at the, look at what happens. She, get, she, um, she gets Sarat, which is defined by white skin. So she gets punished for being a racist. Well, so that's how some people would look at it. But because of... If the Torah was going that way, it would, it would, it would kind of say it directly. The Torah doesn't hide um, the fact of, you know, all the bad things that our ancestors did. And here's an example of her blasting Moshe. But there's, there must be other things going on because the Torah would say what she said about the Kushi woman, right? That's, which is why most of the commentators see Kushi as beautiful woman. Yeah, that, that's, how they, that's how they translate it. It could be, it's a, it's a word that could have several uses, right? In Hebrew, many, many uh, the phonemes, I think they're called, could have several uses. So, um, uh, so, the, the, so what was she doing? What was going on over there? Why, why was she blasting it? So that the commentators pretty much all agree on this, that Moshe had separated from his wife whether it's the Kushi wife, the African wife, or it's the, which, which according to the Medrash she's separated from, or it's Sipora. he decided to separate from her. Right. So now what's Miriam's problem with this? Why did Miriam, she, she, she's the first one mentioned, um, which is why she's the one punished and not Aaron, he kind of went along, but why, what's her problem with, with, uh, with this separation? What is the problem? I, I, I don't understand. And the problem is, um, Miriam, we know Miriam had, we know from another Medrash, the famous uh, kids book, right? Pharaoh, and when Miriam stood up to Pharaoh, I think you should share that Medrash, I'm sure you know it. No, please. Um, with her father, with Amram, little, little, tiny Miriam, what, what was that book called? It's fantastic, yeah, Medrash. A girl named Miriam. A girl named Miriam. And the story is that uh, Pharaoh made a decree uh, that um, Jewish children, uh, Jewish boys will be thrown in, baby boys will be thrown in the Nile because he saw his stargazers foretold that a, bo- a, a Jewish boy, well, Jew- I keep saying Jewish, it's an Israelite boy, will, um, will overthrow him. Um, they, were and, right. huh? star- they were right, those stargazers. Yeah, I need to get myself some stargazers. I know, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah. They're not good with lottery numbers, though. Yeah, we gotta. We, 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 maybe you can find a lottery gazing stargazer. Mm-hmm. 
So Miriam, uh, I, I do some stargazing, like lots of Shabbos. I try to see if there's three. You can see stars in the city? You can see stars, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get hit hard enough. You have some of those uh, glow-in-the-dark stars in the top of your room over there. And that's what you're... <laughs> I did put them up in my daughter's room uh, in our, uh, you know, in the last place we lived. And that was the biggest flop because it had windows and just, it did not work. It, they never, at no point did they ever glow. So she just had an ugly ceiling. Oh, well. Anyway, back to the story. With that of girls, but it's hard. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so back to the story is... Um, I, draw the line, I don't play with dolls. You have to draw the line somewhere. Okay. Um, but I would, I will, if, if I'm asked to, I will button the, the, the clothing because it's, you know, it's hard for them sometimes when they're four years old to button the clothing. So I'll do that. But I don't play with those. Just saying. You just, that. you just button the clothing and then put them in the houses and then pretend you're the daddy. No, no. The dolls no, are the mommy. No, 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 no. I, you know, if, if they're playing house, they could have me um, as the daddy, but like honorary. Like I'll be sitting there. I don't have to do anything, but I can exist and they can use me as the daddy if they're playing house, but I don't do anything. I don't talk, I don't, uh, I just uh, Okay, but could you explain all the dolls in the houses? Well, when we were roommates, you know, it was, it was something, I didn't want to bring it up, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't want people, people listening might actually think that was true. No, 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 it's not. Rabbi Bernath is a very macho guy. He only played with bone arrows. We were roommates in, in yeshiva, and we didn't have any air conditioning in the summer, so we found this really amazing way of sleeping where you got this breeze if you put your feet out the window. And there was like this window that was a perfect angle over our beds. And we used to sleep with our feet out the window. That is correct. It was a very wide window, so we were able to... It was a wide window, it had two sides, and we had our beds like on either side of the room. And for some reason, you felt cool. It was so hot in that room. But uh, you felt cool. So Vince Lefton, uh, I actually saw him uh, this past winter when I went to Florida. And, and we were reminiscing, and he was like, do you remember me? I walked by, I saw these feet out the window in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, that was great. Yeah. It was so hot, there was no other way to, like, I was schwitzing. Oh, I, I don't, I don't, uh, some memories I don't like to have from those days. Yeah. Well, was that was a fun one. But it didn't help that we had, like, two computers just inside that room, right? No, I don't think it had anything to do with the computers. I think it had to do with the... Uh, the fact that right. it was just hot there. It was, it was. And there was no air conditioning. Yes. And now, really, yeah. But yeah, that, that, that was an epic times, right? I, I mean, I still hang my feet out the window. My wife hates it. I just, I, you know, because especially now, I, I don't have a window. I have a sliding door. So one day my, we, my feet hang off the balcony. It, 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 um, one day we have to talk about how long it took our wives to acclimate us to real society. Yeah. Well, we're yeah. acclimating them to our society. No, like uh, my wife won't let me sleep on the floor anymore. Well, she didn't from the day we got married. Yeah, I that's love good, that's good for floor. your back. I know. I love sleeping on the floor. No, you can't. Very weird. We, you know, we're losing our macho-ness. It starts like that, and next thing you know, you're playing dolls with your daughters. Exactly. It's the beginning. Listen, I, in all fairness, he's been five days in quarantine, so, you know, you can cut him some slack. Let them play with the dolls. Let them do their hair. Are you putting makeup on their faces? No, I don't touch makeup. I can't stand. No, don't even get me there. All right. Well, I'm giving you an opportunity to come out of the closet, but you want to stay in there and play with the hangers? No problem. I'm in quarantine. You want me to be in the closet in quarantine? Look, I, in the quarantine, every, everything comes out in the quarantine. Like, it's just, you know. I'm going stir crazy here. Okay, so I have one of these Fitbits, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, oh, that counts your steps? It counts my steps. So I usually do 10,000 steps a day. That's my thing. I do 10,000 steps. But I'm in quarantine. I want to tell you, okay, in quarantine, in the house, I did 6,400 steps today. Take that. 6,400. So basically you were pacing for like 12 hours. I literally just did not stop walking. I went up and down the stairs. I just, I need to do something. So everyone in the entire world is getting fatter, but you are actually working out. You know, doing up and down the stairs is a great workout. You should probably join the Habs, the Canadians, the Montreal Canadiens. Right. I'm sure all, the, all their players are we're just sitting at home, you know, fressing, eating, whatever they can. And you're over it. You're... Absolutely. It all started when Ruffles All Dress became dairy, so that I don't, can't have any rad, and that, therefore I, I lost weight. 
It did not become dairy. It became dairy equipment. It became DE. So um, I have lowered. Isn't that like the biggest tease ever? DE. Well, I'm going to admit I've lowered my standards. You can have it. You almost can have it. No. Yeah. It's pretty tough. Pretty tough. I was in the United States. And um, I, this is like five months ago. This story? This week? Yeah. Huh? This week no, you were no, there? No, I us- wasn't there. I wasn't. This is like five months ago. I took a picture of it. because yeah, I, I, I didn't know something. I stopped in a, like a, like a, what are those things? A Target, right? That's, that's their stores in the oh, United States. Oh, boutique. Yes. And they had, I passed by the chips aisle because I, I consider myself a chips connoisseur, right? Like I, Arger Boutique is a great spot if you're a chip connoisseur. And the United States does not make good chips. They have those, they have those hummus cheez-its. What are they called? They're like cheesy hummus things. They're amazing, those okay. chips. No, no. They're amazing if you happen to, to enjoy drinking carrot juice, all right, mixed no, with ginger. They're really tasting. They taste like cheddar, fake cheddar. They're really, they're really tasty. There are two components to a good chip, crunch and flavor. Flavor is the number one, and then crunch is number two. My wife uh, argues with that. She says okay, crunch so is more important. So the flavor is how much MSG is in there? Likely, but it, it's irrelevant. Flavor doesn't matter. Right? Like, uh, when it comes to flavor, if it tastes good, you eat it, right? If it doesn't taste good, you spit it in the garbage. Who's talking MSG? And by the way, the only MSG I know is Madison Square Gardens, which is where the Rangers play. Now, and the Knicks. I don't know anything about basketball. You're the basketball guy. You, we could play basketball. You could shoot three pointers from your quarantine. Of course. We, no, we can't. I'm, I'm not coming up there. You think yeah, I want to? You think I want to go near anyone who has been in the United States over the last couple of weeks? No, I have the cooties. I have the U.S. cooties now. Yeah, Robin Williams said that Canada basically is the upstairs. We're upstairs of a you know uh, our downstairs neighborhood is like a meth attic. You know what and we should do? We should make a lot of noise so they hear us downstairs. They're making enough they're noise as it is. Always make a lot of noise like they roll bowling balls on the floor and do stuff to make noise. True. True. Canadians making noise. That's okay. <laughs> we're gonna roll. We're we're gonna we're gonna sweep. We're gonna sweep. We're gonna roll. Uh, what's that uh, on ice? That game curling. Oh, wheels have come off tonight. Five days of quarantine. I don't know if you're gonna get me next week. I'm gonna be another week into quarantine. It's gonna be even uh, more. Uh... Hashtag worth it. Now, uh, back to the story uh, that I was saying with uh, with Miriam. Uh, Moses' sister, Moshe's sister, Miriam. So, so now, Pharaoh says, makes a decree that all Jewish baby boys have to be killed, all Israelite baby boys. And so Miriam's father, Amram, is the leader of the Israelite nation. And he announces together, he, they have a meeting, and they decide, uh, together with the other leaders, they decide, we're going to have everyone abstain. Abstain from sexual relationships. So like that, no babies. We're going to make you know, an episode explicit. Sorry about that. I, I, I said the word babies. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so the, so the, um, so I really do. I have to. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. It's not, not that explicit. No. So, so anyway, fart. Now I do. Now I do. I'm sorry. I'm so, I don't know where that came from. So, um, so anyway, what, uh, what, fa- you're giving me that look. So, uh, so, so, so Miriam, uh, she was a y- younger back then, and she tells her father, look, you're worse than Pharaoh. How am I worse than Pharaoh, asks her father. And she says, Pharaoh wants to kill only the boys. You want to kill the girls as well. And her father, according to this medrash, decided, and the elders of the Israelite nation agreed with this, this girl, uh, with Miriam, and they said uh, people could still have relations and we'll hide the baby boys. That was their decision. So this is Miriam staying true to herself. Now we ca- now comes years later and Moshe separates from his wife. Sorry? Authenticity, I love it. Yeah. Um, Moshe separates from his wife, whether it was the Kushi woman, right? The, the African woman or the or Zipporah. He stops having relations with Zipporah. Apparently is also Kushi-like. Well, if you, you could either translate it as beautiful or you could translate it as she had a dark com- complexion. Right. Um, you know, Yisro's daughter. Uh, she, so right. she wasn't 
we know she wasn't actually a cushy. Right. Um, basically, Moshe was not giving her any cushies. Oh. That's, that's Yiddish for a kiss. Is that explicit? Do I have to mark? Was a, that was a, a daddy joke. You're the one in quarantine. I, I don't have any excuses. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Miriam's staying true to herself and she's saying she's blasting Moshe for separating from his wife. And she somehow got Aaron involved. He's a maker of peace. So come on. So then she's saying, you get back with your wife. Why are you stopping to have children? And then, she said, and then it makes sense. Look at, look at the next statement. What, you think you're greater than all of us? You think you prophesied? We also prophesied. We're also with our husbands. Or what unsolicited yeah. advice. She's giving him, yeah, unsolicited advice. And Moshe was very humble and he wouldn't respond. So God came in furious. I'm sorry, but my relationship with Moshe is very special. And um, Moshe ultimately uh, did not have any more children, right? I mean, he was a lot older by then, right? He was at, um, over, over his 80s, but he remained uh, separated from his wife, which I guess in a way is sad. Part of, part of Moshe's story. He was in his 80s and Miriam was in her 90s, right? She was like 13 years older than him, so. True, true. And that might be why they respected her so much. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. That is really, right. really amazing. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Gave me Not something to think about uh, this Parsha. It's Parsha's amazing talking about uh, lamplighters and talking about, you know, that whole, in the beginning of the portion, that whole idea of, you know, to, to light the menorah so that it, it kindles itself. Like, I really love that, that element of it. Like, especially right now, I think the world needs a lot of healing and the world needs a lot of light. So I was really resonating with that this week. And I was thinking of that. But uh, this is another something to think about. Yeah. All right. Oh, I, I got to promote something. I started a new thing because I've been doing Frimprov and a big way it was for me to... For advertisement. Yeah, no, this is a paid for, no, not paid for, but it's just an advertisement, yeah. But um, I've been doing Frimprov for a while as a way to, you know, to get better at stand-up comedy. And now- try out your jokes that sometimes work and sometimes don't. Well, that's true, absolutely true. And mine too. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm still gonna do Frimprov, but I've started doing the weekly Torah portion. The weekly Torah portion- um, In com Comedy form. In well, it's the basics, uh, you know, on a very... You promote a new podcast, which you're about to do? It's you not a podcast. Oh, it's a, what is it? It's a Facebook thing? It's a video. Actually, I should share it on Kabat NDG. Yeah, you should share it. Um, uh, can, you do a, can you do a sample for this, for this uh, episode? We no. want a sample. We want a sample. You want a sample? Yes. Uh, okay. Mama. We need a sample. You're putting me on the spot why here. Should go, why should we go watch it or listen to it? All right, because you mentioned you brought up the lights of Aaron going up to the lights, okay? And when it comes to the menorah, I don't want to make fun of the high priests or say anything bad about them or call them short. But let me tell you, there's a reason they had a step stool right in front of that menorah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's kind of going up. That's right. Getting high. So uh, that's an NDG comment right there. Yes, that was. Uh, yeah. That sounds great. So comedy Torah portion. Yeah. Um, what is it called? I, I forgot what it's called. Just look up Tzvi Hershkowitz. Uh, look up Tzvi Hershkowitz because I don't know why on YouTube it didn't change yet to Cholent Face. But, uh, or just look up on, any, on anywhere from Cholent Face. Uh, one of the, Facebook, one Instagram. of the that we've been doing in our house since we don't go to shul on Saturday morning and we want to do the Parsha is we act out the Parsha every week. And it actually comes up very funny. And I was thinking maybe we should video it with the kids. It's very funny. You should. We have different characters, and we have like regular characters that kind of keep on coming back into the Parsha. It's really cute. That's awesome. Yeah. So this, that's, that's really, really cute. Share it, share it on the page, and, and, uh, and uh, I haven't actually, I've seen it, but I actually haven't watched it, I, I will admit. Not but a problem. I, I look forward to your critique. Uh, snippet, I'm interested. You got me hooked. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm going to sign off. This was nice. This was fun. Um, it's always fun. Yeah, always fun reminiscing and chatting with you. Uh, I miss the face-to-face, -face, but yeah, that'll be soon. We're like a few blocks away from each other, and we have to do this via Zoom. This don't make no sense. We don't live a few blocks away from each other. We live like a half-hour walk. 
kind of half hour walk. 40 minutes. I've done it. It's like 15 minutes. No, what, what are you, you're rollerblading? What are you doing? Okay. I am looking at Google maps right now. Okay. I'm preparing the chef song. Okay. You can prepare the chef song. I am okay. I'm putting in my address, which came up automatically. All right. My address. Well, you know, my address. I'm, and then I, I can't announce it. Otherwise, I'll have to put explicit. You put in your address. West. You don't want to know the name of the. Hey, you don't want to know the name of the street I live on. Explicit lyrics. You know what it says? What? Twenty-one minutes. That's what I, That's like half an hour. Okay, that's like half an hour. One minute, and it's usually I can do it a little faster. I told you it's like fifteen minutes. You're, you're 21, I was saying 30, you were a little, or you want to pull off the Stach song? Do you know it? Do you even know? So I'll just have to do it. Well, ha can, can we do it? song to yourself. No, I'll, I'll teach it to you, all right? It's very easy, okay. When I say Stach, you say me, Stach. Me. Stach. Me. You gotta go quicker than, it's like there's a flow going on here. You're oh, missing out. Now when I say Stach, you say me, Stach. Me. All right, we're just going to cut right here. I think spend more time in quarantine, practice the Steph song. I will WhatsApp it to you so you have time to work on it. It, it usually involves a high five at the end, but we'll have to do a Zoom high five. High five. This All right. Peace out. Have this a lovely evening. Fantastic. Shabbat shalom and take care.